Well, good morning, Victory Life Church. Welcome. Thanks for joining us today. Welcome to those of you joining us online. My name is Otto Ramos. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. It's my great honor and privilege to greet you and welcome you to church today. This is one of your first times joining us. We invite you to check us out at vlchurch.com, and you'll find a banner there that says, Are You New Here? May I invite you to click on that banner and a form will pop up. You can complete that form. That'll come straight to me and I'll communicate and connect with you sometime this week. Uh, but indeed, thanks for joining us today. I have a few announcements to make, um, not the least of which includes the fact that we are starting our cast of Christmas series today and that comes along with a month-long Christmas party. Isn't that exciting? You probably saw some of the things that were going on on your way into church today. We have a lot of goodies outside in the courtyard where those tents are. We also have a photo booth that's set up right outside here in the North Lobby area. So take some cool pictures with your family and friends. And then as you pick up your children after church this morning, uh, we have some goodies for you down in the South Sanctuary so you can hang out with family and friends and your kiddos and have a wonderful time. But in the spirit of Christmas, uh, we are going to... Uh, give away some things this year. Um, it's going to be a part of our cast of Christmas efforts and initiatives. Uh, we have a Christmas catalog. You didn't get one when you came in, but you can get one on your way out. There is a booth that's set up out there with our missions director, Bill Anderson. And within this Christmas catalog are a bunch of ways for you to give uh, during this time of year to the Heart for Mexico. It's a ministry uh, that we uh, support in Mexico. We had one of the leaders there, or from there rather, Josh Rice, uh, was here about a month ago, and he preached to us and shared with us a lot of things that are going on down there. And uh, if you give out of this magazine, there's many different offerings. If you just kind of thumb through it, you can give to a food and clothing fund. You can give to a certain amount of completed construction for their, for their efforts. You can give to their orphanage. You can even give to uh, some tuition monies for their Bible ministry school that some of their uh, students are going through. Uh, we also have a matching fund opportunity. Uh, for instance, if you give $100, we will match the same amount. If you give $500, we'll match that amount too. Whatever you give, all the way up to $5,000, we will match that. So it's really, really cool to be able to give things away during this time of year. Uh, in the spirit of Christmas, you know, Jesus came out of heaven to earth and gave his life so that we, would, we could be with God forever and eternity. And so we want to exhibit uh, this same spirit during this cast of Christmas series, and maybe we can be a cast of characters uh, that exemplify what it means to be followers of Jesus. And so uh, when you give, make your checks out to Heart for Mexico, and when you get this magazine, you'll also get a little red envelope like this. And as you bring these red envelopes in and you give them to Bill Anderson, our missions director, uh, we're going to put them on our Christmas tree out here so that we can see how we gave to this ministry during this time of year. Isn't that cool? I'm really excited about that. Uh, last announcement I have this morning uh, was made mention of last week. We have a book club that our children's ministry is doing for our little ones called One Wintry Night, and it tells the story of Jesus, and it's a great way for you to kind of see images and illustrations and stories that, you know, tell the storyline of Christmas. 
So if you'd like to get one of those books, see Jody Keiser, our children's director after church today. Some of you have already ordered your books. You can pick them up down the way as well. But if you still haven't gotten one and you'd like to get one for your family, please do so. Uh, just visit with Jody, and she will make sure that you get one, and you can read these stories with your family during the month of December. So thanks. Well, if you've come this morning to give to the Lord Jesus and worship the Lord Jesus with your tithes and offerings, you know what to do. You can text to give. You can give online at vlchurch.com backslash give, or you can certainly give as you exit the sanctuary. Our ushers will be awaiting you as you do so, but thanks. Can you stand together, and uh, we're going to pray as we worship, as we enter into worship as a body of Christ. Let's pray. Father God, what a privilege to gather together as your people and to celebrate the fact that you stepped out of heaven and came to earth to rescue us from our sin. Now, for the remainder of our lives, we will continuously try to understand what that means on a very deep level. But for today, may we just keep it simple and remind ourselves of what Paul said in Romans 5, where he said, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We thank you for coming into this world and dying in our stead so that we could be with you forever. That's a part of what Christmas is all about, and we're thankful unto you for it, and we worship you because of it. May you be with us now as we do so. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Let's worship him this morning.
One last time together we will sing. We will sing, sing, sing and make music with the heavens. We will sing, sing, sing. Grateful that you hear us when we shout God in heaven sent his son to this earth to free us from our fear, from our sin, to give us hope, to give us life. And today we can receive that when you pray and believe in him. So this morning, let's thank him for that. Let's praise him for that, that God is our king of kings who brings us hope, who brings us peace who frees us from all that would weigh us down. Let's worship him together. darkness we were waiting without hope without light till from heaven you came running there was mercy in your eyes to fulfill the law and prophets to a virgin came the word from a throne of endless glory to a cradle in the dirt
its breath Till that stone was moved for good For the Lamb had conquered death And the dead rose from their tombs And the angels stood in awe For the souls who come to come of Christ was born then the spirit lit the flame now the gospel to be troubled shall not kneel shall not fade by his blood and in his name in his freedom I am free for the love of Jesus Christ Woe to the sinful nature, to a people who are quick to fail, a brood of evildoers, children given to corruption. They have forsaken the Lord. They have spurned the Holy One of Israel and turned their backs on him. Hey, hey, big guy. Isaiah, right? being awfully loud. Do you think you could just bring it down a tad? Why would I possibly, as you say, bring it down 
when the people are not responding to me? Well, you know, my aunt, she would respond to you. She loves you prophets, though. I have no idea why. But here's the thing. It is 4 o'clock in the morning, and she's asleep right now. Pretty much like the rest of the town. Isn't that the problem? All of Israel has been sleeping for too long, rarely cognizant of their repeated rebellions against our God. I'm just saying, I think they might be a little more friendly to your message if you would wait to yell all that rebellion stuff at them till, I don't know, maybe say after lunchtime? What does it matter when I prophesy? The people do actually hear what I say. They just don't understand. They never understand. Yeah, well, I don't understand you either, or the things you say. And I'm really smart. <laughs> What's your name? Confusionist. Confusionist. <laughs> That's an unusual name, especially in pre-Hellenistic Israel. Well, you know, originally my parents named me Bart. But when I was about eh, five or six, they changed it to Confusionist. That's one mystery I haven't figured out. That's a mystery that doesn't need a prophet. Yeah, well, look, you, you do realize that you're making everybody mad with the things you're saying. I've heard the king is especially angry with you. It is not my responsibility as prophet to make people happy. Yeah, but can't you just give us all a pat on the back once in a while? I mean, tell the people, well, you look nice today, or have you lost weight or something? Confusionist, obviously you don't want the truth. Well, what are you saying, that, I, that I'm ugly or I'm fat? No, I am saying that no one in Israel wants to hear the truth that God has given me. They just want to hear what they want to hear. They pretend that it's acceptable for them to go on in their sin, idolatry, and rebellion. But I tell you, it is not. And God will judge this nation. Look, I'm pretty sure that God is on our side. I mean, a few years ago, didn't we just defeat the entire Assyrian army at the gates of Jerusalem? We didn't. God destroyed them. But Israel and Judah have persisted and will persist in their sin. Harsh judgment is coming. You will be scattered. You will be exiled. You see, that's what I'm saying. All you ever do is say negative things. Death, judgment, exile. You can't even say one hopeful thing. You hear, but you don't understand. You're wrong about hope. Oh, how am I wrong? According to you, if we never stop sinning, the only thing left is judgment. That would be true until a servant comes. He is hope. A servant? What, what like a maid? No, 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 not a house servant. Not that kind of servant. A man, a servant for all, who will suffer for the sins of the world. He will be wounded for our transgressions. But through his suffering, he will bring us to restoration. He will heal us in our helplessness. Well, that, while that sounds good, all you ever say is that there's only dark times ahead. Yes, the people, will be walk, the people will be walking in darkness. But this servant will be a great light. And he will bring you out of the dark. For unto us a child is born. 
Unto us a son is given. In his name will be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Hmm, I get it. So this child that's going to be born with all those cool names, he's the servant. Yes, you actually got it right, Confusionist. <laughs> well, I told you I was smart. But uh, where's this child going to be born? For that, my dear Confusionists, you're going to need to find another prophet. <laughs> well, look, it looks like the people are starting to wake up. Say, why don't you hit them with all this servant Prince of Peace prophecy before you actually start yelling at them? I will share only what God tells me to. Okay, go get them. You know, the prophets seem pretty important. This one says that something wonderful is coming, that there's something or someone to celebrate. I've got to find out where this child, servant, prince of peace is going to be born. Tim. 
Aren't you grateful for our worship team this morning? <clears throat> well, young disciples, young disciples, we wanted you in here for our dramatic presentation and our music this morning, but you may now be dismissed and go get a lesson on your level. If you're newer here at Victory Life this morning, it's our children's church program. They can follow this gaggle of children down the hall to room 103 and uh, get a mes- message on their level. Uh, if, if you want to go with them because you'd rather hear our children's director, I would understand. I'm Pastor Matt, and uh, we're glad that you're here this morning. Welcome once more to the cast of Christmas. It was so good for Isaiah and Confucianists to join us this morning. And it is fitting that we would start with the prophet Isaiah as one of our biblical characters, for it was he who had more to say about the coming of Jesus Christ into the world than perhaps any other prophet. It was he who wrote those immortal words, for unto us a child is born, unto us the son is given, and he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. It was he who wrote, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. It was he who wrote, and the virgin shall conceive and give birth to a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. I wonder if we'll be singing any Emmanuel songs this Christmas. It was he who wrote, for he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our sins was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. These were all prophecies from the prophet Isaiah that the Lord God gave to him that the Lord was sending to humankind in the person of Jesus, a savior, a servant, and a hope. Leave it to God, the great author of history, to do a lot of foreshadowing, huh? He foreshadowed the event that would be Jesus Christ through multiple prophets, through multiple centuries, letting us know in advance that he was sending a savior into the world and just what that savior would be doing But our friend Confucian has hit on something that maybe you've run across in your Bible. The Bible seems to talk a lot about sin. Those prophets seem to talk a lot about sin. They identify it as the greatest thing plaguing humankind. And I don't know that that was a message that Confucianists really wanted to hear. Sometimes I don't know that we really want to hear that message. In fact, if you're new here this morning, you might be thinking to yourself, oh, I went to church and a pastor's talking about sin. There's a surprise. But the prophets of the Old Testament are pretty together on this. 
But the prophets are together on something besides sin. They're in on the good news. The good news that as much as sin is the biggest problem plaguing humankind, God is not content for it to wreck our lives nor destroy us for eternity. Instead, he had a plan, a plan that began in a manger, moved to a cross, and then to an empty tomb to eradicate the effects of sin forever, to blunt its effect in our lives. And he planned to do it through Jesus. So today, let us look at the first part of the Christmas story, see how we might join the cast of Christmas and see just what Jesus has done on our behalf. If you have a Bible with you this morning, I would invite you to turn in it to Matthew chapter 1. That's where we're going to start this Christmas season together. If you don't have a Bible, we'll have everything up on the screen that you need. Now, there's been a lot of Sundays over the years that I have walked into this room gingerly in the couple of weeks after Thanksgiving. And that's because here at Victory Life, we had an over 20-year tradition called the Turkey Bowl. See, the Turkey Bowl was on Thanksgiving morning. The, the guys of the church would come and we'd eat breakfast together. And then those of us who had a death wish would go play a tackle, no pad football game to the death. Well, not to the death. Nobody ever died, thank God. But we would play tackle football for two, three hours, maybe wearing a mouth guard because we were really smart people. In fact, confusion has hit me really hard when I was 13, and I've never forgiven him. Long story short, it was vicious out there. But we did it for 20-plus years. We played our tackle football game called the Turkey Bowl. But somewhere in my early 20s, I got smart. I realized the guys who got hurt, the guys who spent time in the ER on Thanksgiving Day, we played in that game a lot, didn't we, Josh? The, the guys who got hurt on Thanksgiving Day were the guys who wanted the football. Because when they got the football, either handed to them or passed to them, 11 angry men would come hurtling towards them. So I decided in my early 20s, I don't need any glory. I don't need to be a ball carrier ever again because I don't want to get my head taken off. So I was very content to play on the offensive and defensive lines, and you'd still get bruises, you'd still get cuts, you'd still get beat up, but at least you didn't have heat-seeking missiles coming after you every time you had the ball well, I, I haven't played in a number of years, but sometime in my early 30s, one of my buddies who had played with me almost every year looked at me as the game was starting and said, Skiff, today you're going you're gonna to score a touchdown. And I said, no, I'm not. I would have to have the ball to score a touchdown, and I don't want the ball. He goes, oh, no, oh, no. If we get down to the goal line today, we're handing it off to you, and you're going to score. And I said, no, I'm not, but thanks for saying so. So lo and behold, an hour or so into the game, what happened? We got stopped on the two or three yard line, and he announced to our whole team, Skiff's running the ball. I said, I don't want No, no. Yeah, you're running it. So I was still arguing with this guy as the huddle broke, and the lineman went up to the line of scrimmage, and he said, listen, follow right behind me, and no one's going to touch you. I thought, famous last words. So they hiked the ball, I took it from the quarterback, I kind of closed my eyes and I ran full speed ahead with my ER trip uh, flashing across my mind's eye. Except in what can only be described as a Thanksgiving miracle. No one touched me and I scored a touchdown. Are you in Matthew chapter one? Let's read 18 and following. Now the birth of Jesus took place in this way 
When his mother Mary had betrothed what had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together and she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit, and her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to, to fulfill what had been spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means... God with us. Now we focused on Joseph because this is the Joseph side of the story, Matthew. The Mary side of the story is found in Luke. And we focused on Joseph before. But in light of what Isaiah has spoken to us and in light of what Matthew has recorded to us today, I want us to focus on what Jesus came to do. What part was Jesus playing here at the Christmas season? He was playing a very specific part. The angel announces to, to, to Joseph, name him God saves. Name him Jesus. Because he will do what? Save his people from their sins. Jesus came to save people from sin. Now, I don't know that we connect to that all that much all the time. Because we need saved, but we normally don't think about being saved from sin. Come April 15th, we want to be saved from the tax man. Uh, some of us will log into Fannie Mae or one of those websites or Great Lakes and decide we need to save from our student loans, right? Some of us right now are dreading 20 days from now when we have to be saved from one of those relatives that we don't like seeing at Christmas. We need saved from that. How could I avoid that person? But sin, saving from sin... Yet this has been the theme of the prophets, and this is what Matthew relates to us as the reason Jesus needed to come, that sin was the greatest thing plaguing humankind, that it was the issue that Jesus came to deal with, that our lives as human beings are markedly and irrecusably tied to sin. This is what the prophets knew. This is what Jesus was coming to do something about. He was coming to blunt the force of sin and its effects. I was uh, talking to a buddy in the car the other day, and I said, now if I had to, to, to warm up an audience about the concept of sin, where should I start? If I had to get them in agreement with me that, that sin is what plagues humankind, where, where would I begin? I gave him three options. I said, should I start with their sin, the stuff that they've done wrong? Should, should I start with like societal sin, like, like look at the world, look at the state of the world, look at the things that take place, there's sinners out there and they've ruined culture or society or the nation or whatever, or should I start with the sins done to them? The idea that somebody has wronged them, he goes, ooh, start with the sins done to them. So here we go. You can thank my friend in the car. But I think all of us on some level can connect to the idea that someone did us wrong. I know that somebody did my kids wrong this week because somebody stole their toy. It starts from a very early age. In fact, just last night, I was standing upstairs in my bedroom. I heard, ah! Someone had been sinned against. Either Superman or Paw Patrol had been stolen. And their lives would be irrefutably affected by the sin of their sibling. 
They hit me. They ate my animal crackers. From the very earliest age, we're aware that people sin against us, are we not? And we do so well to play the victim. Right now, down the hall in our nursery, somebody is dunking their graham cracker in somebody else's apple juice. It's disgusting, but it's true. They don't want any crumbs in their apple juice, so they'll dunk it in somebody else's. Sinners. We do have things done to us that start to affect us more deeply the older we get. That other kid got the start at shortstop when I was the better player. Now, that wasn't true of me. I have a first baseman's arm and the bat of a blind person. But long story short, that happens to some. That other kid got the solo when I deserved it. They got a better grade, though I worked just as hard. They got the better presents because they were grandma's favorite. I got yelled at, I got punished, they got nothing. No one paid attention to me. They hurt me and got away with it. When, when will they ever pay for that? They said that about me, and I've never been able to get those words out of my head. They've gone with me all of my days. They cheated me. They stole from me, and no one held them accountable. See, those sins against us, they just get bigger as time goes on. Someone gave us something we didn't deserve, or they didn't give us what we did deserve. Our lives have been marked by sin. Our lives are irrevocably tied to it. It's true. Now, any of us could look out at the world today and the happenings and go, boy, is the world full of sin. All you need to do is read the first three news articles on any major website, and sin is at the root of everything, is it not? All you need to do, it doesn't matter which website you're at, sin, 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 sin. And it doesn't matter what side of the political aisle or social aisle you're on. Whatever you're reading, someone has sinned somewhere to leave it that place, to put it in that position. Our lives are marked by sin. But let's be real today. Can we all be friends? Can we be honest with one another? Is it really a stretch to say that we've done some wrong? If you don't think you're part of the problem of human sin, just ask the person next to you. And if you're sure that you haven't sinned, there is no one next to you. (laughs) Because no one can stand to be around you. To others, to ourselves, and in a very real sense, to the God who created us, we have sinned. We have missed the mark. We, We have rebelled against the God who created us and the reasons he created us. We've hurt others. I go to a public place every so often and I see somebody that I hurt back in high school and I've tried to apologize and I've tried to make things right and the apology hasn't been accepted. And I don't even know in my mind that the sin was oh so great, but in his mind it certainly was. And really that's what matters, isn't it? That I contributed to his experience of sin in this world And of course I'm justifying, maybe it was as big as he thinks it is, because don't we do that? Don't we justify our own behavior while thinking everybody else is not so great? They're a liar, but I misspoke. They have anger issues, I'm just being emphatic. That's what I tell my wife when we're really getting heated. I'm not yelling, I'm just being emphatic. It's a lie. (laughs) They're cheap. 
They're a Scrooge. Me, I'm just necessarily frugal. They deserve to have that said about them because they cause offense to everybody, not me. I'm offended. See? If, 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 if that doesn't get you, if none of those get you, is every relationship in your life perfect and intact? And could it be that you contributed to the fact that it's somewhat broken? Or if they were to show a movie of your life up here, my, my, the one I would show you today was me scoring that touchdown, but, but, but if they were showing a movie of your life and God was standing there highlighting all the times you could have given to alleviate the suffering of another but chose not to, how would you feel? See, it's not just sins of commission, but there's sins of omission there, are there not? Times that we could have been right towards somebody but told ourselves we didn't need to. Every sin that we commit makes the world a harder place to live. Every sin that we engage in separates us on some level from the God who created us. He didn't create us to be that way, act that way. Every time we do things our own way that, that is different than what heaven would have us do, we're saying, God, not your way, my way, and we turn away from the one who created us, who loved us first, most, and best. It is all of this that Jesus came to save us from. Because sin has the effect of separating us from God, separating us from God, and separating us from God to the very real possibility that if we don't turn, if we don't repent, if we don't ask heaven's forgiveness, we'll be separated from God forever, and that is the worst of hells. That's what Jesus came to save us from. Every aspect of sin, all of it, the sins done to you, the sins done around you, and the sins done through you. But this is what I know about Emmanuel, God with us. He wants to heal and forgive all three. For those of you who came here today and you are overwhelmed with the sins done to you, those things that you did not deserve that you got, and those things that you did deserve that you didn't get. Jesus is bigger than that. And if I see something more consistently than any other thing, having pastored for a number of years, it's that Jesus the Christ, Emmanuel God with us, has the power to heal your heart and unburden your mind from the sins done to you. He has the power to do that. I have seen him, and I, this is not to put down therapy or seeing a counselor hear me, but I have seen him do what therapy cannot. I have nothing against counseling or therapy. Don't say I said that. I'm just saying I've seen the power that's in Jesus' name heal people from the hurts done to them consistently. I have seen people who have been beat up by the world and hurt and, and, and they look at the brokenness of society and go, how did we get here? Who have stepped into churches and said, this is what it's all about. This, this, this is the place I was meant to be. Because the world's so harsh, because the world's so hard, there is love here. There is something here that I need. I, I, I have a safe haven from the sins of the world when I step through the doors of Christ's church. He can heal the world of its sin. 
and just as important, if not of utmost importance. He wants to forgive you of that which you've done. He wants to forgive you and he wants to release you from the burden that it causes your spirit. As God's son, he has the authority to forgive all which you have done to his other children and all the times that you've gone a separate way from the way he created you for. He wants to give you the strength to be new in light of his forgiveness. And if you do not know, that forgiveness from heaven was purchased on a place called the cross where he took our punishment for every sin we ever did, bore it on his back so that he had the right to forgive us from heaven. He wants to save you from the final effect of all human sin, which is separation from God. But how does he do it? How? The angel said it to Joseph. Isaiah said it to the people of Israel. He will do all of this by being Emmanuel. God with us. He'll heal your wounds. He'll create a culture that is in the world but not of the world. He will forgive you of your sins and make you new by being with you. By becoming one of you. If you don't know what that big word we sang is called incarnate, that means to take on flesh. The Son of God took on flesh to eradicate, to blunt and to forever separate us from the effect of sin in our life. You know how I know it's for us? Because Isaiah said, for unto us a child is born. I wonder if someone said that to Mary in the stable that night. and She's like, no, unto me he was born. You didn't labor for this. But unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. Next week, should the angel Gabriel visit us, we would hear that unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is... Unto you, shepherds, mangy, stinky shepherds. Forgive me if you've ever been a shepherd. I don't mean to put you down, but the Bible is alluding to the nature of their status within Israelite culture. Unto you, shepherds, is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is the Messiah or Christ the Lord. Unto all of us, he's being born for us. His birth is to be with us because it is with us that he eradicates the sins of the world. When Jesus is with you, he heals your heart and he unburdens your mind. When Jesus is with us, we as Christians fight like heaven to create a community that is in the world but not of the world's broken system. And when Jesus is with us, we don't wonder if God will forgive us. We are certain that he has. Certain that our guilt and shame is erased. And when we stand before God, we will not say, take my sin and my good deeds in the balance and see if I'm good enough to get into heaven. We will look at God on the day that we meet him and say, I'm with Jesus. The one who died for me. I'm with Jesus. 
the one who was sent to save me from all the effects of sin. It is in the presence of the Lord that all of these things take place. I can't tell you the people who I've seen kneel in the altar who have been prayed for that have been unburdened from the sins done to them. I can't tell you the people who have raised their hands and said, I need forgiveness, who have had their weight of sin erased. I can't tell you the number of people who have found that the life of the church is their lifeline in a world that is so broken and so marred by sin. They're everywhere. Because the presence of Jesus purchases salvation from sin. The fury and the force of sin is blunted and beaten back in light of Jesus. You know what Jesus is saying to each one of us today? Follow right behind me. It's not going to touch you. That's what he says of sin. Follow right behind me. It's not going to touch you. You follow me and the effects of sin will be blunted in your life forever. I will heal your hurts. I will give you a place of belonging and I will forgive all of it that you've done. Follow right behind me. Sin is not going to touch you. I love you too much and I paid too high a price for you to be touched by this in your life or for eternity. It's what he wants for each one of us. It's what he can purchase because of his presence. He came to earth so that we could have life and life more abundant, so that we could be saved and that sin would be erased. Would you bow your heads and pray with me today? If you've come into this place today and you would say, well, I might not have been convinced when we started, but I am convinced now sin matters because I've been sinned against or this world is full of sin or I need forgiven. I'm carrying a weight today from that which I've done wrong. Yeah, people have done wrong against me, but oh, Oh, my pain is that which I've caused, which I've contributed to, the things that I've done wrong. I'm haunted by it. The Lord Jesus wants to meet you right there today by his presence. He wants to heal your heart. He he wants to forgive you. He wants to give you the power to be made new. That's what he does. If you don't believe me, believe the people around you right now. If Jesus has saved you and make you new, would you say amen? One, two, three, amen. Amen. Amen just means truly. Truly, truly. Truly, truly. He's made us new. Not perfect, new, new. Some of you need to be made new today. Some of you are overwhelmed by the horrible cocktail of the sins done to you and the sins that you've done and you have had your life marked by it. I want to tell you today 
turn your life and your eyes upon Jesus today. And he will make you new. If you're in this place today and say, Pastor Matt, that's me. I need healing and salvation from all the effects of sin. Both that which has been done to me and that which I have done. Would you pray for me today that the Lord Jesus' presence would be real and do that in my life? I would be honored if I got to pray with one or some of you today to pray that very prayer. If that's you today and you say, Pastor Matt, that's what I need. I need a Savior. I'm bearing a weight that I can't carry. I need to be forgiven and to forgive. If that's you in humility with every head bowed and every eye closed, would you raise a hand towards heaven and say, that's me. That's me. Amen, 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 amen. You can put it up and put it down. It's okay. That's just humility before God. Amen, amen. I just need forgiven and I need to forgive. I need saved from sin and its effects. I can't grant that to you folks, but the Lord Jesus can. The Lord Jesus can. The Lord Jesus can. We're going to pray right now. And I'm going to invite those of you who have been changed to pray with those who are being changed. Does that sound good? And we're going to pray together. This isn't a magic prayer, but if you're praying this for the first time, just mean it from your heart. Mean it from your heart and invite the Lord Jesus in. He wants to help you to forgive and be forgiven. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for coming to earth. Thank you for coming to save. I need the effects of sin eradicated. I need them to be gone. So first, will you forgive me? Will you lift this weight? Will you take this from me? I don't know that I can forgive myself, but I know you'll forgive me. Please forgive me and make me new. Would you begin healing my heart? Help me to forgive others. I don't want to live here anymore. I want to live free. I want to feel saved. I want to be saved. So save me, Lord Jesus, from sin and all its effects. I turn my life to you today. I'll turn my eyes towards you today. I'll follow you today. Make me new. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 If you prayed that prayer today, I want to tell you this is a turning point in a moment in your life. Not because of the words, but because of your heart connecting to God's heart in those words. And that the Lord Jesus is who he says he is and he can do what he says he can do. So believe it. Believe it. If this whole thing is new to you, this Christianity thing and what Jesus is doing in your life, as you walk out today, Pastor Otto is going to be in that lobby somewhere and he's just got a little booklet for you that's just going to say, here's what you prayed about today. 
And this is a great thing to be reading this week as God begins to make you new. He's going to have those right in his hand. Just grab one from him. And if you're like, I'm still just processing this, he'll process with you. And if you're like, I really don't want to talk to another human being, I'm just processing, he'll say, take this, goodbye, okay? But don't leave this place without stopping and seeing him. He'd love to put that in your hands, and we'd love to know that the Lord Jesus is moving in your life, okay? So just somewhere in that lobby, little red book, he'll be there. I'll send him out in just a moment. In fact, Pastor Otto, why don't you just leave? Let's get out of here. Go get some of those. Get out of here. Nobody else say that to Pastor Otto. How about we sing a benediction song? That sound good? That's like high church for, let's sing a song before we leave. So would you stand? AJ, would you lead us? Maybe, I don't know what you're playing. Whatever you're playing. Well, just uh, that new song that we sang today, let's sing a little bit of This Is Love because I really feel like God's love coming down really frees us from our sins and fears. This is love. This is love, incarnate King, begotten Son. This is love, this is love. You choose, you choose to choose to make your home in us. Let's sing, come that long expected. Come thou long. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for making your home in us. Amen. Amen. Well, before you leave today, please be reminded if you want to give and be part of the cast of Christmas for Hartford, Mexico, talk to Bill in the lobby. If you're picking up your kids down the hall, stick around and get something warm to drink. The pastries look fabulous. And if you don't pick up a kid down the hall, we're going to be right over in this courtyard here. we got tents, patio heaters. We have wassail. If you've never had wassail, have it today. Come get something to drink, warm drink, a pastry. We'd love to say hi to you. God bless.